I thank God for the opportunity to be able to speak, having not the Wednesday teachings been fabulous. Like, they've been fabulous. And so I thank God that we all get to come together in one place and to hear his word. And so, Lord, we just thank you for being in our midst, being in this place, open up our hearts and our ears, Lord, to hear what you are bringing forward, Father. So when I was, for, for with prayer and fasting, you guys know that it's not necessarily a gift listed among the gifts, but nonetheless necessary for us to talk about because those two, prayer and fasting, and the combination of both will catapult us into where we need to be. With the power of the Holy Spirit, as we seek him, as we count on him, rely on him, he'll get us to where we need to be. I want to just share with you a little bit today what the Lord laid on my heart. And I'm just going to try to stay a little bit focused because I, I'm just going to try. <laughs> In today's world, many people on jobs or new assignments, you guys are often assigned a mentor. What is the purpose and what do we learn from them? They are more experienced than us. They desire to teach and guide us, often in a field that's similar to our own. They pave the way and often model what we, and we often model what we've directly learned from them as we grow in an area that we're called in, whatever that area may be. When they, they know more than we do, we learn from them. And oh my goodness, I just got the karate kid in my head, you know? It's the wax on, wax off. <laughs> he wants to fight really fast and get the bullies off of him. He's like, no, we need you to stay right here for right now and be taught. And he's like, come on, they're taking me down. I want to know how to fight. I want to know how to fight. No, stay right here because there is power in the discipline. Amen. There is something in the growth and the process. We're not to despise that process. We need to walk through the process of learning or whatever the mentor has for us, whatever the teacher has for us. When Jesus started his journey, he looked for some to accompany him as he fished for men. The first people he interacted with were fishermen. So he simply said, follow me, and I will make you ready to execute or carry out the assignment to become fishers of men. He continued on this way, adding to his trainees whom he called disciples ones who were pupils, students, taught and instructed. The disciples closely watched Jesus, the way he operated, the way he carried himself, how he forgave, healed, treated his enemy, and casted out demons. You see, a disciple is shown to be someone who follows the techniques the life and the aim of another until that person themselves becomes the master at it. 
once they master it, they be, are now in a position to be the mentor, to be the teacher. That is what Jesus wants of us as we learn, as we grow, as we are discipled, that we will one day disciple others, that they will one day do what? Disciple others. Church full of Kleenex. I got to go grab one. Hold on. Okay. I'll get that one. <laughs> Thanks, sister. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So keep that in mind. So when, when the Lord showed it to me like that, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Because part of what I do in my job daily is, is help support those who have mentors and those who are mentees. That's part of what I do. So that appealed to me. And I was like, okay, Lord, let's keep going with this. Then he brought this to my remembrance. I can remember complimenting my grandmother, just an example of what that would look like. I complimented my grandmother on her cooking. Man, she used to be able to throw down, y'all. I also asked her, how she did it, hinting, just hinting, that I wanted to learn. So she would ask me from time to time if I, if I was ready. I would say, yes. But then I would continue to go do my thing or want to go run outside. Then eventually she got to the point that she said, stand there. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. I was like, man, I really want to know how to make macaroni cheese like grandma, but I really don't want to stand here. Can't you just give me a recipe? You know, can't you just tell me how it's done? Provide the ingredients, I'll throw them all together, and surely I'll have grandma's macaroni and cheese. And that is not true. That is not true. I see some of you in agreement. Y'all are like, uh-uh, not going to happen. So what was she trying to say to me? What was her message? She just didn't say get the recipe. No, to cook like my grandmother, I had to watch her technique. As, and I had to watch her technique as she imparted the passion for what she was doing into me along with the process. In essence, what she was saying to me is if you want to be like me, if you want to produce these amazing dishes, then watch me, then learn from me. What I learned standing there is that the recipes didn't reveal that technique. If I hadn't watched my grandmother in action, I would have missed that very important part, and I would not be confident in my ability to cook slash bake today. That is what Jesus was trying to say to them. It's not, you're not going to find what you need from me by just some lifeless recipe. The disciples had to learn. They couldn't just have head knowledge of Jesus. They had to have a heart knowledge of who he is and how he did things. His heart for the people is not grasped from a piece of paper where it's written down. His heart from the people is grasped by spending time with Jesus and allowing Jesus to impart into us what we would need to be able to go out. Amen. 
We got to stay close to Jesus. No lifeless piece of paper will do. His skill, if we want his skill and to be able to replicate how Jesus operates, there's something about that intimacy with him. So what they understood is the goal was to do the things in life the Jesus way. Not our own way, not their own way. They had their own professions, they had their own trades, their own things that they were doing. But the only way that you were going to replicate what you saw in healings and miracles and signs and wonders was to do it the Jesus way. Amen. Amen. The disciples watching Jesus pray. So back to the kind of questions, right? The disciples watching Jesus pray in Luke chapter 11. One asked a question. So one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. What was, where were they asking? Jesus held the key to the real thing, y'all. The disciples wanted to know how to address the one true God through adoring him, through confessing to him, through supping with him, and thanking him. Just for clarification, the one true God exists in triunity. The Bible speaks of three divine persons who share the same nature and essence in one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one. This characteristic of the one true God separates him from any other God's little G's. Any concept of God that excludes Jesus Christ is faulty. Right in my head, sister. Any concept of God that excludes Jesus Christ is faulty. And one more time for the Holy Spirit. Come on, y'all. Get that deep down within because there's a lot of trickery and there's a lot of falsehood out there today. Any concept of God that excludes, eliminates Jesus Christ is faulty. 1 John 2 and 23 tells us whoever denies the son does not have the father. The one who confesses and acknowledges the son, that's who has the father. It was this loving God the disciples wanted to learn to pray to. In Luke 11, 1 through 4, Jesus answered them. Jesus taught them like any great mentor, teacher would told him, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The very first line, he's telling us, you're in relationship with me. 
because we get to say our father. Y'all say our father. We get to say our father. That should mean something to us who follow him. He is our father and he lives in heaven. His name is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be worshipped, and we honor him. Woo, I love him. Let's honor Jesus on today. This prayer doesn't speak of a distant day. So in, this, in Luke, doesn't, I just want to bring this part up. This prayer doesn't speak of a time that's far off in the distance, but it is current and speaks to the current times. It is an outline to expand our minds for God's kingdom to have rule and authority on earth, not later, but now. And it happens to be through prayer and our intervention. Without us intervening, the intervention of God's kingdom rule through prayer, the circumstances y'all on this earth will succumb to inevitable consequences. Like chaos, without, guys, without any prayer, it would be a madhouse. Have you ever wondered, I just had this thought, on when we were living in Chicago, on Sundays, and sometimes here you're driving around, and you have people who are like Sunday drivers, they're just chilling, or people who are just washing their cars, don't they look relaxed? They look so relaxed. They're so calm. And we used to say, you know what? The people of God are praying. The whole city's calm. Because the people of God are praying. The people who are not even in church, they're, they're relaxed. They're chilling. They're driving slow. They're relaxing. They're washing their car and giving it that extra polish. You get to afford those things and enjoy those things when there's intervention of prayer. Somebody has to be on the wall, y'all. <laughs> Somebody has to be on the wall. If we don't, things will go crazy. Earthly areas of earth, earthly areas of need have to be penetrated by God for breakthrough to come. Did y'all get that? If not, the works of the flesh and the work of the devil will prevail. The honor and glory go to God as things change and bring forth heaven's rule. But the praying is ours to do. We have to stay on that wall. It's our responsibility. It's us. I love that. We have to take our position. All kingdom ministry is birth, sustained, and will only triumph through prayer. My God, thank you, Jesus. So he's setting up a stage for them, a pattern, a platform, a, um, something to watch, to emulate, to take hold of, right? As we move through the scripture in Matthew, starts talking about the benefits, really, of prayer, what you have access to. The next thing that comes in verse 5 is the 
like story, if you will, that he talks about a friend at midnight. If you go to that friend at midnight, you want to ask that friend for three loaves of bread because you had an unexpected guest show up at your house. And your friend is like, don't be bothering me. My door is closed, my lights are off, and my children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you, but I'll let you know that eventually he will rise if you're persistent and you will get the results and he will rise and provide for you whatever it is you need. So what is he saying right there? What is Jesus demonstrating? Don't back away from prayers. Sometimes we don't always get the answer that we're looking for. And for the number of people, sometimes we shy away from praying for the number of people who love Jesus. Because we sometimes think it has to be a certain way. It has to sound like a certain person. It has to be eloquent. I have to be eloquent of speech to be able to pray. You do not. You do not. Be encouraged on today. The Father wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your heart, and he has an assignment for you to do. So through praying and sitting at the feet of Jesus, you get to find out what it is. When we listen to him, we get to find out. Don't back away from praying, you guys. We have an old friend, an elder. He gave us this example, and he showed us a door that was closed, and only he could do it, and I am not going to demonstrate it like he would up here. But he would say, just because the door is closed, he'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, walking towards the door. And you're like, some of us would stop because the door is closed. He said, but you can't stop. You got to keep on going. Got to keep on going. So he would do that. Why, 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 you guys, why? Why do we keep going? Got to be persistent. And just because the door is closed doesn't mean it's locked. Come on, y'all. <laughs> just because the door is closed does not mean the door is locked. So you just keep on going. You keep on going. You keep on praying. You keep on seeking and you keep on asking. Keep on asking. He wouldn't have put it in the in the book, in the red letters, if it wasn't true. It's in red letters, y'all. Came from Jesus. I love those red letters. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Jesus reminds us of our nature when we're here to pray. He says, come on, if natural men ask for bread from their father, will the father give them a stone? Instead, there is not one parent, aunt, uncle, cousin, if the baby comes up and is hungry, we're not going to move heaven and earth to go find some food for that child. Or if he asks for a fish, will we give him a serpent or something that would harm him? We wouldn't do that. We would give to them first and go without we would not do that. So if a natural man knows to do that, would we give them a scorpion if they desired an egg? We would not. 
If natural man being evil, you guys, knows how to give good gifts to children, how much more would our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? If a natural man, you guys, won't deceive his children, how much more can we expect the Father who blesses us with the best gifts? His Holy Spirit and gifts of both spirit that are both spiritual and natural. We don't lose. We do not lose. We only win. There are other passages that relate to us taking our place and moving forward in prayer. In Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whoever would say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Do y'all believe that today? If there's any doubt or you're like, gosh, mine just haven't been coming through, just right now, just say, Lord, I believe you. Help me, Lord, where I fall short. Help me where I fall short and believe in you, but help me believe you. In Matthew 18, 18, it says, on the profession of who, who we say Jesus is, do we get the keys of the kingdom of heaven? That whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's awesome, you guys. Through prayer. So through prayer, we're binding, we're loosing, we're believing mountains can be cast into the sea, whatever that mountain is, mountain of debt, mountain of infirmity, whatever it is, can be cast into the sea. We just have to use the words that he gave us. The words are powerful. We have to use the words he gave us. In Matthew's account, Jesus focuses on our posture of prayer using the same prayer. A few, of the, a few of the verses, maybe two verses, are slightly different, but it's the same prayer. Yes, we can bind, loose, and move mountains, but what do we look like when we go to Jesus? Have we examined our motives? When we go, we want all the beauty, all the wonderful things. Lord, I want the power, but are my motives okay? Have I checked my heart? In Matthew 6, Jesus instructs us, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, nothing else to look for because you want to perform before men, not before God. But you, when you pray, say, when I pray. Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. No time spent with God is in vain. He sees every single thing that we do. He sees when we are praying. He knows every single thing. He knows when we have given it all to him and when we've picked it back up. And when we have to say, okay, God, I picked it back up. 
I'm trying to put it down. I want to trust you, God. I want to walk with you. But it's in the secret place where he'll say, I see you. I see you. I see you. I got you. Those tears, I've bottled them. Uh-huh. I've got you. Crumbled up tissues in your place of prayer. Uh-huh. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Thank you, Jesus, that you have us, Lord. Thank you that you never leave us, Father. Thank you that you never forsake us, Lord. Thank you that you're always there, God, and that you're on time. Right? Sometimes we want them to come faster. Do it now, God. Do it now, God. But we don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we, we just like, we can't rush God right now. Like, help, Lord, you know? He goes on to say, don't use vain repetitions. But we just talked about that we can knock and we can ask. Yeah, we can. But be targeted. Be targeted on the things that we're talking to the Lord about. Because just going on with words, said many of the heathens do that. They think they will be heard for their many words. You know, this reminds me of when I was a little kid in Sunday school. Whatever question they asked, I told my husband, I said, my answer was Jesus. I was like, who's going to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> Sunday school teacher's not going to be like, ah. She's going to find a way, or he's going to find a way to bring it back around to Jesus. So I learned that early. I was like, the answer's Jesus, no matter what. The answer's Jesus. Yes, Latonia, Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's all about Jesus. This does not mean, you guys, that we can't repeat ourselves. But it does encourage us to focus our wording to align with kingdom thought and kingdom wording. Okay? And to do that, we got to be in the word to learn kingdom thought and kingdom wording so that we can pray kingdom prayers. Amen. He says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows the things that you have need of before you ask. And then he begins to say, in this manner, therefore, pray. So no question was asked here. He's teaching them. He's giving them the keys. This is in the midst of the Beatitudes, where he's telling them how you need to be as you walk with me, as you are learning to be like me. So he's just letting it go right now. So he's like, our Father in heaven, again, he is not a stranger. Hallowed be your name. It's like worship. Holy be your name, God. Sanctity be your name, God. Purity be your name, God. Honor be your name, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is the part that's different from Luke's account. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever. Amen. After stating the prayer, Jesus further reminds them 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, their wrong ways, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Man, that just adds a whole new element, right? Like you're like, I want to forgive, but I don't know. And then you're like, well, Jesus, if I don't do it, you're not going to forgive me? No, my child. (laughs) That's not how it works, right? This is also in red. (laughs) This is huge, you guys. We want to have a forgiving spirit. Say, I want to have a forgiving spirit. Lord, help me to have a forgiving spirit. Because harboring unforgiveness in our hearts is going to hinder our prayers. Just want you to know. It's going to hinder prayer. You're going to have a hard time getting it through. My prayer, you, you know, you just might as well get in front of some cinder block. Start throwing your prayers out there. You're going to have a hard time getting those prayers through. Which is why a lot of us, when we're taught here, we're going to talk to you about unforgiveness before we start getting into situations and circumstances. Can't have anything hindering. We don't want that, you guys. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, and your Father in heaven will forgive you. Remember, you guys, he sees in secret, right? So we can't hide from him. We can't pretend, we can't fake, we can't front, whatever it is. Not only are we to forgive them, but we are to pray for them, you guys. Not only are we to forgive, we are to pray. Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. I know, I know I feel you, but these aren't my words, they're in red. So all we just need to say is, Jesus, help. <laughs> so if you need to take a deep breath and say, Jesus, help. Somebody spitefully use me or abuse me. Jesus, help. Thank you, Jesus. Some may feel nervous to start praying. We've prayed with people who they said they feel kind of nervous to pray, to talk to God. But Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us, you guys, not to be anxious about anything, and that means even praying to the Father. He's already set the table for us to commune with him. He has set the table for us to commune with him. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to present our request to God. How do we present our request to God? Through? Through prayer. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Like, we already know that, right? As finite as our mind is, we serve an infinite God and any thinking that we have. Doesn't, doesn't compare to his thoughts. But his peace will transcend all understanding. 
that peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody take a deep breath. Amen. Father, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to commune with you, to sup with you. Thank you, Father. Help us even the more, Father God, in our communication with you, Lord. As we talk to you, Father God, as we submit our cares and cast our cares on you, God, help us. Help us. Help us. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you guys. And keep going. Types and biblical examples of prayer. Intercession is a type. Means to encounter, to meet, to put pressure on, to plead, to appeal. The act of, of one or more persons, human or divine, making entreaty to God on behalf of another group of people or persons. Make sense? Okay. So when they were in Exodus 32, when Moses is up on Mount Sinai getting all kind of revelation and hearing from God, the people are down there impatient. <laughs> they are impatient. He was receiving the law, but because he was delayed, the people approached Aaron requesting that he make gods for them that would go before them because we don't know when Moses is coming back. So Aaron, you think you could just make us a God? Needed a sign or something? Needed something to see? Tired of waiting? Are you? So Aaron told them to gather the golden earrings from the people. And with an engraving tool, he molded a calf. He molded an image. He went with an alternative because he couldn't wait for the real thing. <sighs> then, Seeing, then when seeing it, they said, this is our God. The people even began to say when they saw the calf, you guys, the imitation, the fake, this is our God because, oh, we can see him. Don't be deceived. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord the Lord. Aaron went on to build an altar for this God, little G. He built an altar for it, and the next day they proclaimed a feast to the Lord. Right? How many of y'all know that went nowhere? Okay. They did just that. They came, clank, proclaimed a feast. The next day, they offered burnt 
and peace offerings to the Lord, to some calf. The Lord, of course, seeing this, told Moses, go get down. Go, for your people who you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. These stiff-necked people have quickly turned away from me in the ways that I commanded them. He tells Moses, leave me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them and consume them. He was not okay with this, okay? And then he says from there, then I'll make you a great nation. We'll get rid of all of them. They can't wait for me. They want to take the fake. They want to take the imitation over the real thing. Oh, remember we're talking about intercession. So, man, can you imagine being Moses? Probably was like, oh, dang. They in trouble. <laughs> Moses pleads with God and asks, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Remember God said, go get your people. <laughs> Moses said, why does your wrath burn against your people? <laughs> He's like reminding God, remember, these are your people who you brought out of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. And then he starts talking to God. He's like, maybe I'm getting his attention, but I ain't too sure. So here goes Moses. He says, Hey, you really don't want the Egyptians saying he brought them out of Egypt to harm them, right? To kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Putting God in remembrance of his word, he goes on to say, okay, just in case that didn't work. Do you remember Abraham? <laughs> Remember Isaac, you remember Israel, God, your servants to who you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all the land I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented. He's like, okay, he had to go with the Abraham. <laughs> he was moved to pity or compassion from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Y'all could give God a hand clap of praise. For those who intercede on our behalf, who God reveals things to, and who petition the throne, who go in and like, God, remember, these are your people. You have a plan for these people, God. You love them, Lord. We don't want it to be said that you would bring them to a place and then annihilate them. So here I am, I'm speaking, God. I'm speaking on behalf of your people. Yes, you put me and called me as the leader, but these are your people. And you made a promise to our forefathers. You are a promise keeper. 
Thank God for intercession. Thank God that Romans 8 tells us that Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Oh, God, that's Latonia. Remember her? <laughs> Don't take her out. <laughs> Give her a chance, Jesus. And we can all insert our names. Thank you, God, for remembering us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for making intercession on our behalf. Another type, agony and travail. Intense prayer. When you are in agony or you're in travail, that is intense prayer. To the point of inward anguish and pain. In behalf could be spiritual pursuits, including the birthing and development of souls and ministries. You could be in anguish or in agony and prayer with God, to God. Synonyms for that are labor, toiling, sorrow, bringing forth like childbirth. In 1 Samuel 1, there is a woman whose heart was broken, and her name was Hannah. Hannah watched her rival, Paniah, provoke her and birth sons and daughters. And she was miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. The situation was so bad that Hannah wept and she did not eat. She was bitter in her soul and she wept in anguish. And at the time, guys, when she was weeping, she did not know that she had been chosen to give birth to a great prophet and judge, one of the great ones of Israel. She had no idea. And her husband, Elkanah, he tried to comfort her. He even, because he had two wives, so he had Hannah and Hepaniah. And he even gave Hannah, when it came time, a double portion. It's like, I'm gonna give you a double portion, Hannah. He, he knew her heart was hurting. Meanwhile, Paniah's just having a baby, having a baby, having a baby. She had many sons and daughters. And she's like, I'm just trying to get one. So her heart was broken. And there was nothing that he could do because he wanted to try to fix it for her. He wanted to try to make it better, but there was nothing that he could do. And the word of God tells us that Paniah provoked her. So who knows what that looks like? Could it be flaunting in front of her, rubbing her belly in front of her? Let's just get real, right? Parading the children around her? Who knows? But provoked is the word that's used. <laughs> then Hannah, but somewhere in her spirit, let me get back to where I wrote, somewhere in her spirit, she knew that she could not settle for barrenness. 
She then made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Her heart spoke in abundance, but no words came out. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk, but she explained, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have just poured my soul before the Lord, and to him I have spoken my complaint and grief until speaking to you right now. So that's who I've been talking to when you're trying to figure it out. Hannah knew and would not settle for the barrenness, and she knew that that was not God's portion for her life. This type of prayer, you guys, is given by God. When there's agony to the point where there can be no words, who's making intercession? Well, you can't get any words out. It's just right here in your gut. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Romans tells us That likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Hannah goes on to praise God for hearing her petition, and he blessed her womb. What is a prayer petition? Often when we're praying on behalf of others, something earnestly asked for or strongly requested, reminding God of his word and declaring that word over our lives. 1 Samuel 1, 17 and 18 says, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition to which you have asked. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So she was okay because she ate. <laughs> she found peace, right? She was able to eat because, remember, she wasn't eating. And that's one of the first things we start recognizing someone when they're not 100. Their appetite can tend to go. So she was on the road back. John 16, 23 reads, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. When you petition the throne, you may pray, Father, as I am seeking to grow in spiritual gifts, Jesus said, you would grant me whatever I ask in his name. So I remember First Lady saying, I asked, I asked Jesus for all the gifts. So as we seek, whatever we ask him, he will give to us. When we pray, when we petition a throne, there's times when I've gone into prayer and I've used just that word, Father, I am petitioning the throne of grace right now. I am coming in, Lord, and these are the things. 
I am putting you, I'm reminding you of your word. I'm like Moses right now. Remember, remember, remember. How many remembers do we have to go? But we got to know what's in the book to put them in remembrance of his word. Amen. Supplication, an earnest entreaty for favor, especially made of God. Supplication is similar to petition, but indicates a more passionate pleading with God. For example, begging for mercy and favor. Generally, it's a personal request. We're going to use a couple of examples from David because he's had a few and supplications where he's gone to the Lord. In Psalm 4 and 1, he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Oh God, have mercy on me. When I've fallen short, oh God, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. When I'm distressed, when man have come against me, oh God, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. That's supplication. In Psalm 7 and 1, he says, Oh, Lord, my God, in you, I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. Oh, Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to, to earth and lay my honor in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to be the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you. For their sakes thereof, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Oh, let the, wicked of the, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous. God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. He's going all in, giving God every single thing he has. And then he says, God, if I had a part to play, come on, somebody. If I had a part to play in this, God, help me to just get it right. Whatever my part is, God, let me just get it right. And then we're going to thank him. <laughs> so a prayer of thanksgiving is a public acknowledgement. Oh, God, I praise you. It's divine celebration and expression of gratitude. It comes from the same root word as praise. Thanksgiving is the acknowledgement of divine goodness, the prayerful expression of gratitude to God. Whether spoken or unspoken in song, music, or in an unknown tongue, where we're just thanking God. Because I've been in distress, God. I've been at times of trouble, Lord Jesus, but yet you hid me. Amen. Thank you so much, Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
we are just told to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks to thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Say for me. Give thanks. And praying in the spirit. And praying in the spirit is defined in praying, which springs from the merging of the human spirit with the Holy Spirit, issuing a prayerful utterance in an unknown tongue to build one up spiritually. Jude 20, 21, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Acts 2 and 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here we see a powerful move possibly, a powerful move made possible by the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So keep this in mind. The enemy will often try to ensnare us in a vicious cycle through adverse circumstances, you guys. Satan will attempt to weaken our faith, disillusion us, help us thinking and seeing things that aren't there, making things up. Our eyes will have like scales on them. God, take the scales off of our eyes that we might see. And he would keep us going around Mount Sinai until we're so weary that we even forget that God has a promised land. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue in prayer, you guys, we shatter the voices of rebellion and unbelief. Lord, give us the keys to the kingdom and the revelation of who you are that we will build your church. Everybody take a deep breath. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You guys, when we fast, that is the practice of abstaining from food or drink. This can be done as an expression of remorse for wrongdoing, as an expression of mourning of a loss, or spiritual discipline meant to help one focus on a spiritual matter. So you want to grow. You desire a gift. You want um, more from God spiritually. And you've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Well, I encourage you to add fasting to that. Add fasting to that to discipline the body, discipline the mind. When people work and run and train, that's a discipline. We need to discipline our minds. Guys, sometimes we go so fast, by the time we get to the Bible, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is a yawn. Just be real. And you're like, oh, God, when this happened, I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to speak to my mind right now in Jesus' name and say, mind, you will wake up and body, you are not sleepy. You've been doing things all day, and now you're tired when it comes to the things of God? You better line up. So if anybody is listening on the side of the wall, that's what you, we got to sometimes say. And then I'm telling you, my help comes on. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to stay awake up in this place. We're going to read the word of God in this place today. We're going to learn what God wants us to learn in this place today. So it's just sometimes, you know, just got to get a little radical. 
So when we fast, you guys, though, and we're focused on spiritual matters, what the, what the Lord wants us to know is not to look like we're broke down. We're so pitiful. You go into work. Oh, child. I'm fasting. You got a donut? I can probably have one after my fast. Okay, you guys, that's not going to work, okay? Because remember, we just, we just provoked ourselves to good things. We, we got ourselves going now. So we're not looking pitiful. We're like, you know what? I can have five donuts later. You go ahead and eat that one. I'm not worried about that. I'm not even thinking about that. I was praying anyway. <laughs> but don't look like the hypocrites, you guys. We can't look sad. They disfigure their faces that appear to men, before men to have, you know, been fasted so they can have pity on you, you know? But you get your reward, the word tells us. We get our reward if we do that. But instead, when we fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and don't appear to be, don't appear to men to be fasting, but only to your father who's in a secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward openly. Why fast? Like, what are some of the reasons? Because it allows us to humble ourselves in the sight of God, you guys. It enables the Holy Spirit to reveal our true spiritual condition. A lot of times when we feel those hunger pains, those are just habit pains. Right? Because we're like, your body's like, you know what we do at 12? <laughs> You're a little bit late. <laughs> I told you you was late. I need some attention here. But chicken nuggets doesn't get that spiritual gain, right? <laughs> There's a place for it. But when we are seeking and the things that we're up against now, our prayers have to be accompanied with fasting. We have to discipline our hearts and our minds to live a fasted life. When you experience revival in your own life through fasting, the grace and love of God can shine through you into the lives of other people. Fasting is biblical. Many people fasted in the Bible. Ezra, Esther, Daniel, and the Hebrew boys, not eating your meat, king. I'm not eating your meat. Don't want that. Esther fasted. Um, she says, for the people, for the Jewish people, it was, the it was her time. So she called a fast that they may prevail from protection from the evil one. We can fast too from protect for protection. Ezra's fast was for deliverance. I'm having to bring it a little quicker, okay? Biblical types of fast. There's an absolute fast where there's no food or water a normal fast, where you typically go without any food or any kind, um, any food of any kind for a certain number of days. So it may even be for a certain number of hours. You may fast six to six. But y'all, if we're doing it without prayer, pastor has said it many times, we've heard in this church a lot of times, it's just a diet, right? And now the thing is to intermittently fast. 
right? We've been fasting for a long time, but okay. It teaches us discipline. The partial fast. Um, that said, the normal one. Oh, but drink plenty of water. The partial fast. That can be um, interpreted many ways, but not while you're asleep. I got these notes from Pastor. The partial fast usually involves giving up particular food and drink for an extended period of time. And the Daniel fast would be an example of that. You know, sometimes we just need to find whatever that one thing is or that thing that's pulling us away or pulling our attention or check our screen time. And gosh, why does the time go so fast when you're on the screen? But go so slow when we're in the Word. Ooh. Yeah. Lord, create a desire in us for the things that you desire for us, God. Don't let us hunger and thirst for these things that profit us nothing, Father God. But give us a hunger and a thirst for the things that will profit us in your kingdom, God. Mm, mm, mm. Fasting produces power. That is, is, that is not normal. So that power is abnormal, and it, reinf and it reinforces prayers. Jesus fasted when he came down from the mountain. And when they joined the multitude, they, did I miss a place? Nope, I'm right here. Okay, so now we're doing prayer and fasting. Let me give you all this definition real quick. Prayer and fasting together. Definition, I loved it. Communication with demonstration with demonstrated commitment to disciplining our hearts, our bodies, and our minds to hear the, verse of, the voice of God. Let me say it again, because I messed it up. Prayer and fasting combination is communication with demonstrated commitment through the fast, right? Communication, praying to God, with demonstrated commitment to disciplining our hearts, bodies, and minds to hear the voice of God. No, you know, the two together catapult us into next level. You can't have one without the other, okay? We need to pray and fast. I wrote this down. That prayer is the key. Faith unlocks the door. And prayer and fasting unleashes unlimited access. Prayer and fasting starts an empowered movement. What are some of the purposes? Remember I told you guys that this wasn't necessarily a, fruit of, um, a spiritual gift. But the Lord was showing me that prayer and fasting produces the fruits of the Spirit. Because first of all, we're going to get our self-control together, right? We're going to become disciplined. Once we get all this in sync, we're going to love more. We're going to have more joy. We're going to have more peace. We're going to have more kindness. Willing to endure, endure a little bit more through long-suffering. Why? Because we are telling our body that you don't rule You don't rule me. That's why it's important, you guys, for us to physically talk to our body or speak to our bodies when they're trying to take rule to our minds. Oh, no, I see you. We ain't thinking that. You know, cast that thought out. 
Nope. And don't just let things happen. You are a child of the most high God. You are under attack. There are going to be things that are going to come your way. They're, they're going to happen. But we are without, not without a way to combat and a way to overcome. Then the things of the world become strangely dim when we start invoking what God has given us and the power that he has given us to operate. Has anybody noticed that? They become strangely dim. Like, mm, it's gone. I don't even deal with that anymore. Because I've disciplined my heart and I've disciplined my mind. I, really want, I do want to say um, it's important to ensure that you're always listening to the Holy Spirit and your body when you fast. If you have never fasted, you may want to start um, with one thing and build yourself up. And some just go cold. It just depends. But we're praying, right? So God's going to tell us. Okay, we want to be sure we remember that. Fasting and prayer can also bring about more than just personal transformation. When God's people practice fasting and prayer, God hears from heaven and can heal our lives, our churches, our communities. Fasting and prayer can even bring about a revival, a change in direction. We're just about done. Do we have questions? Anybody got questions? Pastor Joe? Yes, ma'am. We have a few questions. So I did want to just say that God is a good God, y'all. And he wills only good for us. He is love, and he yearns for you to share in that love. He is life, and he wants to pour that life into you. He's everything that we need when we need him to be it. I do have a few people, so we thank the Lord for his word. Give him a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you today, Father God. We honor you for who you are, and we give you praise, Lord. I bless your people on today, Father God to take the word into our hearts even the more, Lord Jesus, and learn more of you, Father God. We commit more to prayer time, Father God. We commit more to fast time. If we were doing fasting from a, one thing or, or a day, God, help us, Lord. Speak to our hearts when you're calling us to stretch that fast into another level, Father God, so that we can see change, Father God, in our lives. Oh, Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the praise, Lord that you will produce much fruit in us, God, as we discipline our lives, as we discipline our hearts, as we discipline our minds, and as we discipline our bodies. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us. It's in your precious name, Father, your precious name that we pray. Amen. Pastor Joe? Okay, we have a few questions. I have a few friends to help me, too, you guys, in case y'all came with those big ones. First question, uh, concerning praying for somebody else, uh, if it seems like the person that you're praying for gets worse, 
and you've been praying for them, is that a fault of yours? Is it a fault of yours if the person gets worse? Yes, if you're if you're praying for them and, and they get worse, no. is, it, is it a fault of yours? No, it is not a fault of ours if the person gets worse. How many in here have prayed for someone and they've gotten worse so they've even passed on? We put our prayers out there because the object of our faith is the faith is the Father. But the creator of us all is the Father. <laughs> And he is a sovereign God, and he determines. So don't get discouraged if you prayed for someone and they got worse or they passed. And it, and it can be heartbreaking, but come alongside someone if they have been in that position to encourage them that you don't stop, but we're not God. Amen? We don't stop. We continue to pray. The word tells us to pray without ceasing, but we can get discouraged. So you need somebody to come alongside and be, hold up those arms and say, it's okay. We're, we're going to move forward in this. Our God has the final say. Now, if you are praying for someone and when, we, when we're praying, we're asked to get Make sure we're right. Just like with communion, we're asked to make sure we're right before praying with someone. Amen? I hope that helped. Babe, can I add something? Please. Get up here. Elder Ed Sutton. <laughs> One thing I would like to add is if this, the person is getting worse, it may mean you just need to turn up the warfare. Okay, it could be that the enemy is just fighting a little bit harder, which means you might have to fight a little bit harder. So you mean I might have to possibly, if I was just praying, then maybe we might need to declare a fast? There you go. <laughs> Next question. Yes, sir. Why do you think the church today does not fast often? <laughs> I mean, aside from them not listening to you tonight. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. And... And reading and with my with my own life, it's like, man, I'm just kind of used to doing my thing. It takes discipline to interrupt your plan. And it takes discipline to turn down the nice hot pizza that someone shows up with at work <laughs> when you're hungry. Hangry. It takes discipline. That's what I think. What do you think, babe? I agree. I mean, I don't think I can add anything to that. What is the minimum or the maximum number of days for fasting? 
So a lot of people have said what the Lord says because it is your it is your fast. But we've been called on fast at church for what twenty? We've done twenty one, twenty one days. Um, some people have gone three can go three days without food. And I was listening to, man, I was listening to Dr. Miles Monroe, and they were like going forty all in. Um, they said, well, Jesus fasted for 40 and he made it without food. We can fast for 42. And I was like, woo, baby. Wow. But I would add. And I'm like, you, that's not for everybody. Body. Know your body. Yeah, that's what we were saying earlier. Doc, yes. you got anything, Dr. Calvin? You want to add to that? Yes. And while he's making his way up too, if you have medical conditions, take that into account as well. Take that into account. It, uh, if you never fasted before, don't start out with 21 days. <laughs> okay. uh, I think it's wise to uh, learn your body. You know, like Pastor Ed's saying, uh, you know, if you have diabetes, you know, you can have very high or very low blood sugars, which could be life-threatening. You can end up in the hospital. So if you're going to, if, if, if you... Have, have a diabetic condition, check your blood sugars, you know, finger prick uh, fairly often to make sure that you're not uh, having extremely low or extremely high blood, uh, blood sugars. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, when I ask somebody to fast, I usually say do intermittent fasting first. So go from 6 p.m. until noon the next day and then eat something. And then eat something again before by 6 p.m. that day, and then go from 6 p.m. that day until noon the next day. If you don't, if you can do that a few days, then you can try a 24-hour fast. If you do a 24-hour fast and you you don't crash and burn with that, then uh, then you can try a 36-hour fast and then a 48-hour fast, and you're building your way up. Uh, you know the fasting has you know, powerful spiritual implications, but it also has powerful physical implications. Uh, almost everybody nowadays is very physically toxic in their body. And when you do even an intermittent fast, 18-hour fast from 6 p.m. one day until noon the next day, you're going to get some spontaneous release of toxins from your body and from your brain, okay? And so when you get toxins out of your brain, Guess what? You can hear better from the Lord. Okay, that's a good thing. Yeah, and so you can do, you know, fasting with, uh, with or without saunas. Saunas in, uh, increase the amount of uh, toxins that come out and how fast they come out. Yeah, but just, just don't, <laughs> don't, don't get too wild on your first fast. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs> like I can do it. I can do. Nope. Don't do it. One thing that I want to do right now, because it is the time is winding up, but there is no way we can talk about prayer and fasting without praying. So I'm going to ask the ministry team to come on up right now. <laughs> 